He was nine years old, and he was <clears throat> coming home from school to face the reality of his day. A pet named Queenie, a German shepherd that had gotten run over tragically a few days, week before, had been buried on a hillside on the backside of the property. Something different about this week, though, he was in trouble, as was typical for this young boy. And his punishment, because he lived so close to his grandmother and grandfather, his punishment was to not be able to go see them. He was told, don't go out there. And struggling this particular day, this young boy was raining this day, and he made his way down to the grave about middle ways on the property that his family owned and lived on, and he laid across the grave of his dog crying because of the grief that was in his heart. Everything that he was feeling that day, I can't relate to you, but I do know that he was feeling a tremendous sense of loss, uh, perplexed for a nine-year-old, hurting and suffering in his own way. The thought came to his mind that uh, I'm hurting so bad, I think I'll get up and I know I'm in trouble already, so what's a little more trouble? And I think I'll go and visit my grandmother and grandfather anyway. Because of the pain in his heart, he thought that maybe if Granny brushed the tears away, gave him something to eat. Maybe this day Pa would be compassionate and uh, be kind and cover for him to his mother that he had even come out there. He made his way up the hill. It was probably about the length of a football field. And you could have seen him as he grabbed the door thinking, should I go in, should I not go in? But making the decision that the pain in his heart was greater than the potential consequences of breaking his punishment, he bounded through the door, calling out Pa and Granny. He rounded the corner of the refrigerator where it sat and through the opening. And what faced this young man this day was a sight that he would never, ever forget. Sitting in the chair by the window where she always did was his grandmother, but her head was slumped over. Something looked wrong. His pa was sitting in a chair, his head bent over. He ran out the door confused about what he was seeing, but decided to go back in anyway. This time, the tears began to stream down his face as he realized something was terribly wrong. Still remembering his grandfather pulling the glasses away from his head, taking his handkerchief and wiping blood from his brow. 
He had seen all he could take. His mind began to race as he ran through the scenarios of what might have and could have happened. He ran from the door, from the room to the door, out onto the carport and out into the yard and began screaming for help until a neighbor known as Uncle Smokey saw him and came running. As time would point out, this little boy's grandmother would pass in a matter of days. His grandfather in a matter of a couple of weeks or a week or so after that. And words of comfort, words of encouragement, words of bless his heart can still remember those words of pity all in this tumultuous night as this young nine-year-old boy faced the murder and then the suicide of two grandparents. And that would affect his life forever in ways that he would know, in ways that he would not know. You see, I was that young boy, and I walked in that day, and I found my grandparents, one shot by the other and one shot by his own hand, reaching a place of desperation, reaching a place of destitute despair. Nobody really knows reaching a place that caused one person to take another's life and then to take his own and in the process robbing me and all the other grandkids and sons and daughter-in-laws of the lives that could have been. The impact of suicide, and I have been contemplating doing this podcast for a while, but hesitant, thinking, well, I got to get it just right. But really, I don't think I have to get it just right. I think it's just time to talk about it. The lasting impact of suicide is not just that a life that was there is gone. It's not that someone gets to escape what's going on and the people close hurt for a little while. But the implications of suicide are lasting. And I can say firsthand that almost 50 years later, I still deal with and struggle with. I wonder what I might could have done differently that would have saved their lives. Maybe if I wasn't in trouble Maybe Paul wouldn't have done that because he knew I would be coming out. All of the reasons, all of the things, all of the questions, but knowingly or not knowingly, consciously or not consciously, the act of my pa that I've since come to be at peace with and to even forgive that single act forever changed the trajectory of my life, of my mental makeup, 
of my emotions, of the complexities of my personality, how I would deal with relationships moving forward, and has and did hang for years as a cloud over my head. You see, suicide is something that runs very much in my family. Though not known for sure, it's probable that my grandfather, his father, took his life. I have a very cryptic note written by him, his own hand. But life got him to a point that he was wishing and saying the world would be better off if he were dead. The reality of this in our world and and throughout all of time is very, very real. It's something that is attempted by many. It's contemplated by even more and maybe by some people that are listening to this podcast. We see it, they see it, people see it as a way out a way of escape, a way of ending the pain of the present, believing for some relief. I'm not here to discuss the morality of suicide or from a religious perspective. I'm here just to talk to somebody that may be listening that finds themselves extremely discouraged by the times that we live in. I'm here to just try to remind you that your life matters. Your life is important. And nothing is worth taking your life over. And to remind you that you leave in your wake a lot of little people, younger people, and older people that will forever be impacted by your actions. I can remember a few years back when early on in my life and in my lifetime, I began to think about suicide and contemplate it as maybe a way out my grandfather had, my great-grandfather probably had, and then I had numerous, more than would count on one hand, close family members, cousins, people that I knew that in our family had chosen to take this route. They had reached a place of depression and desperation that caused them to do that ultimate thing of taking their lives. I can remember a few years ago when I went through a divorce. I was no longer at a job that I had been at for a long, long time. And I can remember many nights in the basement of a home that I owned laying there crying, wishing that somebody would reach out to me, 
somebody would remind me that I mattered. And in those moments, I never got close to taking my life, but I struggled with it. But I was reminded of a little boy that lived about four miles or two, three miles from me who was my grandson. And I would, as often as I could, go to see him and his sisters to remind myself that even when I don't feel like my life is worth living for, there are other people who depend upon me that make my life worth living for. And you too, my friend, whoever you are and whatever you may be facing and whatever difficulties you may be feeling and experiencing in your life now that take you to a place that you don't believe there's any way out or any way past where you're at, let me be a voice of someone crying in your wilderness saying, you mean something to somebody and your absence will impact them in ways that you could never, ever imagine. The current day that we live in, and I'm not, you can take statistics and prove a lot of things, but I think probably why I wanted to go ahead and do this, even if I don't do a great job with this podcast, is because in our current day, typically in America, there's about 150 people a day that take their lives, that's staggering within itself. In 2020, that total for each day is close to 400. I would love to shake the media and figure a way to sue them for, and the politicians that have politicized a virus that, yes, is taking lives, but the way it has been politicized and scrutinized and statistics thrown in our faces every day and the loss of jobs and economy has created an environment that has, I'm sure, more than doubled, if not greater than our doubling the normal suicide rate in our country. What gets us there is economics, lack, lack, loss of money, loss of jobs, loss of feeling like that we can produce social issues, social changes in your life, be it divorces, be it uh, friendships, not being there anymore. Uh, struggling to meet someone else's approval and wearing out from that. There's the loss of community, being ostracized from groups that you were with because of maybe things that you did, and especially in the religious community. As a pastor for almost 30 years, I welcomed everyone in. And in the end of my pastorate, I had those that I had loved the most, cared for the most, essentially tell me I was not welcome in their midst any longer. 
never checked on me, never called to see if I was okay through things and accusations from others in my face to try to shame me, to try to get their way about things. And I wonder sometimes, did they ever really care about what it did to me? I'm very grateful that I had family and close friends and even a multitude of people that I had been merciful to that prayed and prayed for me probably through some of the most difficult times. But I would challenge because of what I went through, churches, be careful who you put out. Even remember Paul saying, yep, put them out. Oh, and then saying, well, wait a minute, what I said, we need to bring him back in so that he doesn't become hopeless. Medical issues, diagnoses of diseases. I've watched many, many people struggle with depression and anxiety at the loss of limbs, the loss of sight, the loss of functionality in their bodies. But I've watched some of them hang on long enough to get past it and find life and find peace again in their hearts. Worry, worry about the future, worry about tomorrow. That's probably one of the things that plagues my mind, being fearful and worrying about next week and not being grateful for what I have at this moment. And then there is the issue of shame, being ashamed of something that you've done, being ashamed of being found out, being ashamed of of being shamed by the words of others that drive you to this place and this point of desperation. I want you to listen very closely as I just talk for a few more minutes about the importance of guarding your mind. Sometimes you need to just go to sleep to quit thinking you got to call the doctor to get some medication to be able to rest and your mind to slow down. It's better than taking your life. But guarding your mind and not talking to the people that are going to be negative and putting you down, but finding a place that would be positive to you, finding a community of people, whether it's a church or social social group or whatever, a neighbor, a friend, finding somebody that will speak positive things into your life and being careful what you're watching on TV, turning the TV off. Our minds are not made to see 24 hours a day of how bad everything is and tracking every case and every death related to this sickness that's going around in our world today and you need to be wise and understand that all of it is just a ploy it's not that the sickness is not real but it's a ploy that's being used by powerful people on all sides to try to manipulate you into doing something but they don't understand the unintended consequences of the depression and the anxiety that comes along with all the fussing and fighting. I know we're getting close to voting season. Go vote. Don't become so discouraged that you don't vote. 
But for goodness sake, don't allow yourselves to be so bombarded by the negativity that's in our world that it drives you off the deep end into a place of despair. Get off social media. Get off those things and get away from it's okay to not be around negative people it's okay to say nope not going there not going to put up with that take care that you guard your mind find people to be around if possible those that you love go see your family go see your children if that is possible and if it's not Find a friend, find someone, and thank goodness now we can go to a restaurant, go sit in a bar, have a drink, uh, get some coffee at the local Waffle House. Find somebody to socialize with and understand that there's life going on in the world that is around you. Rediscover spirituality, and I'm not talking about going to church because church can be some of the most toxic Hostile places for us when we're down, sadly. But rediscover spirituality inside of yourself by learning to be quiet and looking around you and developing appreciation for nature and the complexity of nature and reestablish again in your heart when you walk out and look at the night sky that there must be a power higher than us and stronger than us. And begin to tap into that that mindset and understand that this world is bigger than us, but that doesn't make us important. It makes us vital because we are a part of this day. We were born and are living in this day and time for a specific reason and a specific purpose. So rediscover spirituality as you ask afresh and anew for God to reveal himself to you and through that very discovery, understanding and having having it revealed to you all over again the fact that you matter and you serve a purpose in this life. Realize the value of life in general There's been a lot of scriptures that I've shared lately on some of the other media means of that I use to to talk and try to be a blessing to people. But as long as we are alive, there's hope. There's hope to be healed from the sickness. There's hope to find a better job and to have more than we did in the beginning. There's hope to be restored. There's hope that you come to understand the grace of God and that you don't have to walk through your city, your town with your head held down in shame, but you can lift your head knowing that we all have struggles and we all have issues in our life and that we are part of the same human family. And because of that, we don't have to walk around in shame and devalue our life to the point that it becomes worthless in our mind. Understand, and I put this on a meme recently, I saw it and thought it was worth sharing that we all have two lives and the second one begins when we realize we only have one life. 
There's odd scriptures like a living dog is better than a dead lion. You know, I may not be what I used to be, but at least I'm still alive. And you've got to begin to look at that. Even if you've had some debilitation in your body and you can't do what you used to do or be what you used to be, you're still alive. You still have thoughts and you still have breath in your body. And understand that life each day is a gift from the Creator. It's something that's given to us from without so that we can live it, and we need to understand that value within. Understand that we all will fall and falter, and we will all struggle. I wish someone could have gotten to my grandfather and talked him through, because nobody really knows what all was going through his mind. We surmise about the circumstances of his medical condition, and we surmise about his personality. But no one really knows for sure, but I will tell you, understand that there's much commonality in the human struggle, and that where you are, someone has been, and that there are groups, there are places that you can reach, go to, and find help. Get professional help from a counselor. Do not sit there and be destroyed. But understand that as long as there's live as long as there's life, there's hope. And where there's hope, that's a powerful, powerful thing. Because where you have hope that things will get better, it actually energizes your soul and your spirit to be able to live and to go through another day. This subject is extremely sensitive to me. It's extremely personal to me. I don't take it lightly, and I don't make this podcast lightly. But I make it to encourage you. Things may look tough, but joy does come in the morning. Things may look dark at this moment, but it truly is darkest And the storm is the most ferocious right before the calm and right before the morning. So understand that there is hope. And for goodness sake, if you're listening to this and you're like, I don't know what to do, call the Suicide Prevention Hotline. It's 1-800-273-8255. That's 1-800-273-8255. Five, five, because we will get past COVID. You will get past the loss of a job. You will get past the divorce. You will get past the loss of a friend. You will get past this medical crisis that you're in at this moment. You will get past the feeling of hopelessness that's in your heart at this moment. Please be encouraged. Please Take heart and take note. Pay attention to your children. Pay attention to your loved ones during this time. And when you feel someone is discouraged and you feel someone is down, don't join the rest of the world by spewing negativity on top of their depression and anxiety already. But give them a hug. Show them some love. Express peace, express hope, 
and express your love for those individuals in your life. Please take this to heart. Please find some strength from these words and know that you may not feel like you matter, but it's just the circumstances that have blinded you to how much you matter to those that are around you and those that will come after you. Be blessed, be encouraged, and stay strong.